to another biggie. Fashion Pod 89 this week. Racking them up, aren't we? Uh, this one is courtesy of Alice. She is the founder of Blogosphere. Thanks so much for downloading this. Now, Blogosphere, it's an interesting one. Prepare yourselves. Not maybe the easiest thing to digest on a Monday, but here we go. So, Blogosphere is a magazine in hard copy. Like, you can smell it. It smells amazing, by the way. Um... But it is all about blogs, for bloggers, about bloggers, and that's its general vibe. So really interesting. When Alice got in touch with me, I was just really intrigued. Like, how is that going to work? So hopefully you're going to get a little bit more of an idea as I chat to Alice. You're listening to Passion Pod number 89 with Alice Audley of Blogosphere magazine. Right, Alice, let's start at the beginning. Blogosphere. I've got this amazing chunky Watson in my hand. Yes, you do. Talk me through it. Well, if I landed from another planet, what, what, how do you describe what you do? Blogosphere magazine is the first print publication written entirely by bloggers for bloggers and the social media community. And... The way that it works is we have our editors who pick their five favourite bloggers over food, fashion, lifestyle, beauty, travel, photography, parenting and arts and crafts now. And then in addition to that, you get kind of exclusive features. Basically, I started it because I started a blog in 2012 after doing uh, a three-month journalism course. And they said on the journalism course, you need a blog if you want to get into journalism. So I was like, right, okay, this is a means to an end. I'll start a blog. So I started it and then just had no idea how quickly I was going to become obsessed with it and obsessed with the community and obsessed with becoming a part of it. And I just wanted to learn more and to find really inspiring people. I was just going into kind of the WH Smith stores looking for a magazine that was kind of about it. And the only thing that I could find was these WordPress big magazines with like images of code and kind of complicated back More the techie side of Exactly, stuff. and I wanted to know more about the people. And yes, I think with the online world, obviously you have everything at the click of a finger, but you don't know where to look. There's so much stuff out there that you could be on someone's blog, then you, before you know it, you're like five sites down and you can't remember where you've come from and it's quite a, it can be a chaotic experience. And so I was reading, I had a really bad job interview actually, and I came back to my flat and wanted to just chill out and unwind. And the first thing that I did, it wasn't going for the television, it was reading one of my favourite travel bloggers. How funny. And so I was just reading all of her stuff, being like, oh my god, I just, I need to escape, I need to get out of here, what the hell was the point in school and university if I'm going to have to, like, you know, quarter life crisis basically. And wanted to read more. But I wanted similar stuff, so not only just travel blogs, but travel blogs like hers that she recommends, just to get that extra bit. So not only who she reads, but why she reads them. And then it all happened just really quickly, being like, it's such an amazing, huge, but overwhelming space, the blogosphere. What if you could get a curation of some of the best bits over lots of different sectors and to do the trawling for everybody, get influencers in all the different spheres to explain who they like, why they read them, and then get an example of their post. But then in addition to that, to have fact boxes so that you get their names, their URLs, their Instagram handles, their Twitter handles, their monthly views, their all-time views, and their email addresses, and to have all of that information in one place. To try and do that online would just be, like, it wouldn't work. And it would be, I imagine, be also along the lines of what you were finding as reading the blog. You'd be creating a similar sort of thing if it wasn't something tangible, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I think that obviously 
print and digital don't have to be mutually exclusive. And I think that people have come onto this misconception that digital was created to destroy print and that print no longer has a place. And I just think it's entirely wrong that they can work together. Um, also, I think it's the same as with people. It's like, you know, it's great to have all the digital world. You know, I'm a big fan of it in so many ways. But you still need humans. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like all of that stuff, all the online content's great. But you need, like, mm. I want to kind of feel a human near me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, kind of, it's a similar kind it, of thing. It is I mean. that type of engagement. Because I think the paradox of social media is that it can actually make you antisocial. There's been a big push at the moment, and Emma Gannon, who I know you've had on your podcast, has launched an event called IRL in real life recently. And that is about getting people who are kind of online entities and just women in general, bringing them together and having the art of conversation and interacting with people physically. I've and we're doing that with the magazine as well. It's physical. We're taking this online world and bringing it into something that you can hold, that you can look at on the shelf, that you can put back, pick up, put down. It smells so good. That's in my well. editor's note, actually. Um, just pick it up and smell it. Literally, it's worth buying just to sniff mm. it. <laughs> I mean, it is produced in an independent magazine style. So it is that thick, high-quality paper. It's expensive to produce. But then, in terms of pricing, we don't price it at an independent rate, which is kind of 8 to £10. Pounds. This is £5. Pounds. So, really, there isn't anything, touch wood, like it at present... But we have shunned all kind of norms, and it is working. We produce it in an independent way, but the circulation is bigger than that of most independents. We have it on the high street rather than working purely on a subscription model. Um, I mean, with magazines, you normally either go subscription-based or advertising. And we do a bit of both. It is just a hybrid of kind of all how things. How have you got to that, though, Alice? Tell me, how's it... Give me a bit of a potted history of how you've got to that place. And what's your background? You said you studied... Uh, was it uh, journalism for yeah. three months? So, started the blog on a journalism course to get into journalism. Then, through my blog, I got work experience at The Telegraph. And so, my kind of lifelong dream was to be a writer at The Daily Telegraph. Pretty impressive to even have got on that, right? Like, these things are very hard to come by. Yeah, and I was kind of quite sneaky with it as well because I didn't go on the grad scheme that was kind of a year. I bypassed all of this stuff. And I blogged about a writer at The Telegraph and it was actually pretty sycophantic. It was all true. Like, I love her. She's called Bryony Gordon. And, oh, I um, know. Yeah, I think she's amazing. I was like, I want to write like that. Anyway, so this blog post was called If I Could Have Supper With One Person In The World... And I went through... I like, <laughs> got a slightly vomit it, a bit I, I know, I know. <laughs> and um, it wouldn't be Brad Pitt. It wouldn't be J.K. Rowling. Um, it would be Bryony Gordon. <laughs> Literally um, made anyway, her life. Then sent it to her. I was like, you know, if you have a, a moment, please do read this. Anyway, she got back straight away. I was so kind. She was going off on maternity leave. It was like, I can get you some work experience if you'd like. And now it's actually a lot harder because they have different systems with HR and you have to do videos to get work experience there. Wow. God, amazing for you. What yeah. A, worth it, though. So, Good on you for pushing it out there. Yeah. You've got to do these things. Definitely. And, and at that time as well, I had finished the journalism course and then I did five weeks or six weeks headhunting, which was, I mean, the lady was really nice, but it was not me at all. And I honestly could just feel my creativity falling out of my ear onto the keyboard. And I remember my dad saying, you know, well, you could do that and then you can write on the side. I was just like, oh no, I can't believe that this is what life really is. And my elder... Literally, as you're saying that, I'm I know, feeling that I feel feeling. sick, like, I know thinking it. back to it, being like, oh God. And the whole thing of it has life. to be the sideline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And um, I went back and I was pretty, I'd say I was quite low. And my elder sister just sat me down and she's pretty amazing actually. And was just like, listen, Alice, someone has to do it first time. Why can't it be you? Oh, don't you going to make me emotional? I know, I know, it makes me emotional too. Oh, it does. <laughs> and um, it was just like, fuck, yes. Yeah. Someone has to do it first time. Why can't it be you? And I think everybody should think that, not be like, oh, I've got to, I can do that. No, if you really want to do something, just try and do it. And so she completely reinvigorated me. Yeah, that was great. And Sisters, they're all the, <laughs> they're the best. Though. I know. And um, the work experience was for two weeks. And I ended up staying for a month. Oh, so wow. Kind of prolonging it. So that was good. Awesome. And, um, good sign. And then from that, it was the chief political commentator at the time, Peter Oborn. And we went off on a story. And then he offered me a job as his editorial assistant. And so I worked for him for three months. And then this vacancy came up. And I just got this email saying, Hi, Alice, there's this job. Would you like to come in? And so just dressed myself up, you know, power dressed. Remember being just the clammiest hands ever going up the escalator into the Telegraph building in Victoria and seeing the features editor at the time, Fiona Hardcastle. And she kind of came out and I thought it was going to be like a real proper intensive interview. And after kind of about five minutes, she was like, so, you know, are you keen? Do you want it? I was like, yes, (laughs) yes, yes. And then, you know, how do I play this? And I had remembered... Trying to be all cool and pro. I love it. And I I was speaking to my dad before and I was like, what happens if they offer me like 16 grand? He's like, you have to take it. You just have to take it. And so when they were talking about the salary and it was like, so it's 20... Oh my God, this is like, I've kind of got the job that I won. And the salary is... Pretty you good. must literally, that is an amazing feeling. It was, it was an amazing feeling. And I love that it can be done. Yeah. This is the thing is that, yes, things are changing all the time. We're talking about different ways. Of, that is so inspiring. People are mm. saying, oh, journalism, you're not going to be able to get anything. That in itself is pretty awesome. Then you go on and launch a bloody magazine. I mean, yeah. this is great. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. And um, walking in for that kind of first bit and seeing the Telegraph logo, I was really like, yes. I've Pat the old back. Yeah, done. damn right, maybe. And then your goals change. I learned so much at The Telegraph in terms of editing and writing, deadlines, working under pressure. And valuable. And also is the balance between print and digital. And there's a problem with giving away content online and then charging people for it in print. And I think the shiny lights of BuzzFeed and stuff like that and clickbait kind of transcended to you know what we kind of should be doing and I just thought no and even though I was a kind of younger person in there and obviously not in the high ranks or anything you have to think about who you are and what your brand is and the telegraph writing clickbait stories about three-breasted women even though in the short term yes you will get all of those hits in the long term you've alienated your audience it's your reputation, isn't it? It's mm. like what your brand is, I guess, yeah. isn't it? You can see why people get caught up in it. It's like yeah. this thing that everyone's trying to get caught up in, and it's great because there's a real place for that in some, but I absolutely hear you. It's, I guess it's people struggling to try and keep themselves in averted current. You mm. know? I guess mm. that ties in with all of that side of stuff. But is that kind of the thing that then sort of got your mind you know, thinking about all of yeah. this stuff, because how they sit together? We won't have anyone in the magazine who isn't a blogger. And our cover stars have to be people who have made it and are really successful through the medium of social media. So now that the magazine is more widespread, yes, we do get PRs who are saying, 
we have this celebrity that we'd love to pitch for your cover. They have a blog. Well, no, they're not famous through their blog. They're famous through, say, reality TV and have a blog on the side. And that doesn't fit in with our brand or our message or what we're about. And when you are a younger publication, you really need to stick to your values about what you are, who you are, what you're about, so that you can get that strong brand message and people know that when they come to you what they will get how did that develop for you then sweet how did you get to what those are for blogosphere you were at the telegraph things were going really well talk us through that that last sort of chapter so blogosphere launched uh, in october 2013 and it was originally going to be a bi-monthly publication so every other month were you still working at the telegraph at the time yeah yeah i was but when my contract allowed me to do it, that's when I started Blogosphere. And you were creating it all yourself? So there was me, a friend who did the website, another friend who was helping put it together with the first issue, and then we had a designer who we found through a website and still works on the magazine today. Oh, awesome. And launched it and its reception was really good at that time it was an 80 page magazine so that was with Estée Lalonde Essie Button who I'm really thankful to her as well for you know agreeing to be on the cover of a new title and to all the editors as well I just emailed them cold and when you don't have anything to show them it's just the idea that so many people came on board with that which was great so encouraging for you at that stage and they were big they were big influential people as well and it Without them, you know, it wouldn't have been able to start. So then the second one, we had Liberty London Girl, who is one of kind of the pioneers of the blogging industry. She started her blog, I think, in 2006. And for her to agree to be on the cover for issue two, it was really a pinch-me moment, being like, God, this is really kind of gaining momentum. This is fantastic. Then issue three, we had Fleur de Force. And at that point, I think people wanted it to move really fast. And then when you are a young, exciting but clean brand, people want to jump on board. And I was very strict because I had money coming from another avenue, so I didn't need to jeopardise the authenticity of the title. And there was a man who was like, we want to you know, use Blogosphere and to do our events um, under the Blogosphere name and we can do this and that. And I, You just have to trust your gut sometimes. Was and there was something say. just not quite, that I didn't feel right about, so I just said no. And it's very hard that when it's kind of you and you're... What, how do you think you had that? Did you just have a really strong feeling about it all? I think that I was in a privileged position that I did have money coming in from elsewhere. And I think that when people throw big numbers at you early on, you can be very drawn towards it. And before you know it, you've been burnt. And it's I, a hard one, though. Yeah, it's a hard yeah, one, Yeah, it is it? definitely hard. And I think with magazine publishing is definitely in a minority as a kind of industry that you can start and maintain because you can build it up slowly and it's not you know I need to create an app and need tens of thousands of pounds it's it can be sort of self-cyclical almost self self-funding exactly yeah I can see that and in terms of investment they're very few and far between industries where you don't have to take it at all and it's about taking it at the right time when it's in a position that you'll get the right value and input. No, it's and I think that there probably will be a time next year where we do need to do that to take it to the next level. Because as a business model as well within publishing, 
independent magazines are doing really well. Uh, but there is this model, and we're a quarterly publication now, so we come out on March 15th, June 15th, September 15th, December 15th. And you can't just have the magazine now. If you look at what people are doing, you do have to have a digital side. But as I spoke about earlier with the kind of discrepancy between content online and what you kind of give away, with Blogosphere, we won't put the content in the magazine, in the written form online. You have to think about something different. You need a digital offering that you can't get in print. So, and then there was a bit of a break because I was just killing myself working. There was one point where I was trying to do advertising and the only people that were awake were in Australia because I had to do it at 3 no, Alice, in the morning. No, no, no. So I was, I was on the phone at 3 to Australia being like, you definitely need to advertise in this magazine. Um, proofreading into the early hours of the morning after doing a whole day proofreading at the Telegraph. So my eyes were kind of just bleeding, I couldn't even really see. Having to drop off printer's proofs to my designer in Walthamstow before getting the tube down to work. It makes me sort of a bit stressed out yeah, thinking about it that. it was really stressful. And I think that what a big problem in today's society is that we brag about how stressed we are. And that, oh, it's, it's great, I work from this time to this time. I'm so knackered. God, I feel sick, I'm so tired. It's not healthy and it's not good. We need to look after ourselves. And now, the two people that work for me, the hours are 10 until 6 because I, myself, do not want to be travelling on the Northern Line during rush hour because it starts your day really stressed. I totally agree. It's like how we think that that's an okay way to start a day as a human. Yeah. It's just, but it's also accepted. Mm, it is accepted and it's bad. And mentally it was unhealthy to be that stressed out. And then actually it led to the physical reaction of shingles, you which you normally get in your kind of 60s and it's normally something you get later on. And there I was at 25 with shingles. And I'm cross with myself that it actually took a physical reaction for me to realise that I was super, super stressed. And because if you can't see it, then you don't think that it's necessarily there. Which you obviously, like, with mental illness in general, I think that's why there is still such a stigma around it because you can't see it. And you convince yourself, you're like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. I can't see it. I'm still. I look at me. I'm still yeah. functioning. It's like yes, but you're functioning by clinging on with your fingernails. Mm. Totally. Um, <laughs> And um, there was a long time where I was trying to juggle doing both when I was allowed to. It's a difficult time because you're so torn and part of me wanted to continue working with the amazing editors there and to become the best writer that I could possibly be. And that was one dream. And then the other side is I've started something that people really like and I'm not giving it 100%. And if I were to be working as hard as I am at the Telegraph for my own thing, what could happen with that? And I need to know. But still, it's a big name. And you are just so torn. And you just want to do both, but you can't do both to the best of your ability. And in fairness to The Telegraph, I was giving them everything and I wasn't giving Blogosphere everything. And then I went on a detox retreat for 10 days uh, for a story. I feel like this is a clincher. It is. It is. (laughs) Even the tone in there. (laughs) Then I went to the detox retreat (laughs) near Milan. And on the way out, I bought all these like mindfulness books and stuff. But one of the books I also bought was Becoming Steve Jobs. Ah. And I read that and was just like, this is it. And got back 
so brave. <laughs> so brave. But I had to do it the day that I came back because otherwise you can get sucked in and then you get that self-doubt being like, oh God, maybe I shouldn't do it. Maybe I do need to rely on that money coming in and God, what happens if Blogosphere fails? Oh God. But I was just 100%. I'm going in there, I'm resigning and I'm handing in my notice. And so I did that. And then they said what do you want to stay like the, wow I, I mean really a real test for you yeah and what I would also say is what made it easier is that obviously journalism is having a bit of a tough time at the moment and during my time there especially towards the end there were so many redundancies from really successful journalists who had been at the paper or in the industry for a long time and the only reason that they were being made redundant was because they were doing really well and on good salaries. So as a younger journalist, what kind of incentive is that for you to stay in an industry, but when you succeed, then you're ditched? So... They're kind of really helpful in your timing, in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. Um, I resigned from The Telegraph last June, and then I was freelancing a bit for The Telegraph too. You've always got that up your sleeve, I guess, haven't you? Yeah, but then it just felt like... I'd left to pursue the magazine full-time, but I had become a full-time freelancer, and that was completely like the opposite of what I wanted to do. And I kept finding myself saying yes to everything that The Telegraph asked, because I still kind of felt indebted to them, I guess. And, and you my... want to keep your link in yeah. there, don't you? When you um, go freelance, when you leave somewhere big, I know that totally. Yeah. You're like, I want to cut the tie, but just keep that little finger in there just a little bit. Mm. It's natural, totally mm. natural, I think. I had such huge respect as well from my editor there, and she was the one that was commissioning me. And I think she was doing it as well, not only because she kind of wanted the pieces, but as a gesture of goodwill towards me. And then it was in October, I was like, look, I, I'm not going to write any more freelance pieces, I'm just doing this now. And issue seven came out then, and we had a big launch party for it. And then it was this year, actually, so only really in January, that I consider myself to have been doing Blogosphere full-time. And again, it was after a chat with my elder sister. And she was like, we need to rent your elder sister out, <laughs> no, I swear. Please, but like, <laughs> she was like, Alice, you said you're going to do it. You just need to get some people to help you. Because you can't put out a magazine to the best of its quality when it's just you. Humans are amazing, but one little person and a magazine that thick, babes. Yeah. I mean, talk me through that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's that's a real shift then, isn't it? In terms of thinking of yourself as more than just you, really, yeah. and actually a team and things like yeah. that. And so in January, put out a job spec and uh, I was amazed at how many people applied for it of all different ages. and How and, awesome. Yeah, it was great. Again, um, another real sort of encouraging thing mm, for you. Yeah. And then we whittled it down and did five interviews. God, even that must have been an excitement. It's like, it was exciting. God, look at me, like, interviewing people. <laughs> I know. And I think at the end of all of them, I was like, have I done an okay job? Like, <laughs> do you think that was, you know, was that, okay? was that professional enough? That would make me want to join straight away. I'd be like, yeah, I like it. And so she started probably about three weeks ago now, maybe a month ago. So pretty new, but yeah. it feels like she's been around for ages. And she's kind of whipping me into shape as well. Which That's is, a great thing, which is isn't great. it? And coming up with good ideas as well. And having a sounding board. Because what I would say before, doing something entrepreneurial on your own, the roller coaster of emotion, you go from being really excited to feeling really overwhelmed and then feeling really despondent. And it's just this, like, going round and round, and it just ends up making you feel a bit sick. <laughs> and then the second person, who actually only started on Monday, 
has been involved in Blogosphere since its inception. And she is our social media editor. Um, Alice, tell me, what do you think? We've covered a few of them, but what do you reckon have been the biggest challenges setting up Blogosphere? I, leaving a renowned brand and was my dream job. So I got my dream job and then I left it, which is a bit kind of crazy. Another thing, challenge that faces entrepreneurs is that, this is quite depressing, but deep down a lot of people want you to fail. And even friends want you to fail. Even if they're saying, oh, you know, it's so great, well done, how's it going? Deep down, they want you to fail not necessarily in a really spiteful way because it proves to them that they've made the right decision by staying in that nine to five. Do you know what? No one's ever said that. It's, yeah. it's quite disconcerting. Yeah. What a great thing to raise. Mm. It's really, really good. And then I would say another challenge is advice because people say when you start something, just you, know, you need to speak to as many people as possible. And yeah, I think that that is key, but you need to listen to your own voice as well. So yes, do talk to those people, but remember what you want as well. Um, what advice do you wish you'd been given? Trusting your feelings and the knowledge of what's right. I knew for a while that I needed to leave the Telegraph, but I didn't do it and I didn't trust myself. But then you can't live in retrospectively. It is good if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to start something, having experience before it is key. And being the bottom of somewhere as well is very balancing when you're then moving to being the boss of somewhere else to just how to engage with people, how to manage people, knowing what it's like to be on the other side. Um, and it, it validates you for other people, but more importantly, it validates you for yourself. So when people are like, oh, you're the editor of a magazine, you know, why are you the editor of a magazine? Well, actually, I've had three years of experience working at a national newspaper. I know how a good story works. I know what to look for. I know where the pitfalls are. And just We just have to remind ourselves these things. Yeah, this you do have to remind yourself and because self-doubt is a real killer. And if you're in the wrong headspace, then you're not going to do the right work. You're not going to meet the right people. And it's basically all a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you might as well not bother. You might as well not bother. Um, you've got to yeah, bring yourself up. Yeah, but it is. It's the same thing whether it's any of this stuff. It's all within you, isn't yeah. it? So that's why you've got to tie into putting yourself first and keeping yourself in that in that yeah. headspace. I do come from a, an entrepreneurial family as well. In fact, all of my siblings work for themselves. So Your parents are doing something, right? <laughs> that's so great. Yeah, which is nice because we are all so close and really do support each other. And that's what I say about success as well. Because I think often people, when you, you do go and you do your entrepreneurial thing, everyone's interested in money and how much is that going to be worth and money equates to success. I disagree and I think that success is subjective. And for me, success is the journey into making this magazine bigger and better and more useful for its readers that's why you're going to be great <laughs> I hope so but the, but the difference is recognising that success can be measured in a lot of different yeah, ways yeah. I think that's and for me it's line. not actually measured in money yeah some it is some isn't I think mm. that's the thing but just knowing that there's the option it's not for everyone none of this stuff is but knowing you've got options I think is the big difference definitely big difference and working out what you feel enthusiastic about yeah, that's the hard bit. Yeah. <laughs> or not, you know what it is. It's like yeah. how you shoehorn it in sometimes. I've always been quite lucky because 
I have known from a very young age that words was my thing and that I would be writing stories from the age of five, uh, writing plays, just constantly writing or reading and those are the two things that make time pass really quickly for me and I think for other people they didn't know exactly what they wanted to do and you can feel quite lost but you just have to work out in that case where you want to be and work back from it. There's no right track. I think my journey into the Telegraph kind of showed that. Oh, just loved. I love chatting to Alice this week. Just think it is such an interesting idea to try and combine this print, which everyone's so struggling with, and bring in a bit more of the online content that we're all like loving creating. So excited to see what the future is for those guys. And thank you very much to Alice for having a chat. Big fat thanks to you as well for having us in your ears. Really appreciate it. And if you've got any feedback, please get in touch. Always love hearing from you. Do find us. You can find us on Twitter at PassionPods. That's normally the easiest way to get in touch. But if you're not a tweeter, just head to the website passionpods.co.uk. Next week, we're going yoga. Uh, Really, really excited about chatting to this lady. I'm actually lucky enough to know from experience that she is an awesome teacher. But what really fascinates me about her and why I can't wait to share her story is that she actually was started off in the creative world and then has moved to becoming a yoga teacher because it's not really like she was trying to escape a job that was like totally totally different the worlds are kind of similar in the sense that they're both creative but that transition between the two will make for a really interesting chat i hope so keep your ears peeled for that that will be with you next week subscribe to us on itunes and it'll just plonk straight into your app uh in the meantime hope you have a cracking week here's to some mega inspiration i'm saying that as much to myself as i am to you but sending those inspiring vibes out as well and look forward to seeing you next week for number 90 (laughs) 